does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Welcome back to the fan. Charlie Clifford to Wish TV. Jimmy Cook in this afternoon. We appreciate you tuning in Indianapolis. We know all of you are waiting for what we're praying for is a fantastic update from Cincinnati. Damar Hamlin, the Bills safety who collapsed last night and received over nine minutes of CPR before heading to the UC Medical Center. All of the first responders, everyone who has huddled and teamed together to save this young man's life. We are thinking about you and your family as well. Joining us now on the Mower Shop Hotline out of Fishers, Richard Skinner, WKRC Cincinnati. Richard, we appreciate you joining. I know what is a very heavy day for anyone who had the job last night of sharing information and not speculation during an unprecedented moment for the National Football League. Um, If you can take us into... Your seat, what you saw as that play transpired in the first quarter, and then how your night evolved from that moment. Again, we appreciate you joining the show. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so if you remember uh, early in the game on the very first drive, there was a, a player who uh, who went down face first closer to the Bengals' sideline. And I'm not sure I've ever seen medical personnel race out faster than they did for that player. Yeah. Um, and it kind of shocked me at the time. It shocked myself. I'm like, wow. I mean, he must be out cold. This must be bad. And it turned out he ended up getting up and walking off under his own power and then was evaluated for a concussion and did, did not return. But you, I saw that, and it almost kind of it just shocked the system to see that. And then when this play happened, you know, what seemed to be pretty innocuous initially, um, you know, to see personnel from both teams rushing out as fast as it did, you know, I'm thinking, here we go again. They initially then rolled him on. To, well, he, he collapsed to his back, actually. They, it looked like they were, from my vantage point initially, it looked like they were trying to stabilize his neck and his head, and they brought the backboard out. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I got binoculars on, and a couple of people around me are kind of trying to look, and all of a sudden I, I blurted out, I said, I think they're doing chest compressions. And somebody said, what? And then they looked down, and they said, oh, I think you're right. And we timed it at about nine or ten minutes worth of chest compressions. Um, you know, he went into cardiac arrest on the field, obviously, and you know, finally then then put him in the ambulance and took him took him to the hospital. At that point, we went down to the locker area to try to just see what we could see because they'd not made an official decision yet. Um, saw Joe Burrow and and DJ Reader and a couple of Bengals captains and Zach Taylor walk down an adjacent hallway to go to the Bills locker room. Um, at that point, we got word from the NFL the game was was suspended. You know, within minutes, we see players start to leave, and one of those was T Higgins. Hmm. And I thought it was the most poignant moment of the night. He came out. You could see just the sheer um, misery on his face. His mother was actually waiting for him right by where we were standing waiting as well. Gave her a hug, kind of collapsed into her arms, and then, you know, left uh, the stadium with her a short time after. And I think that's the secondary part to this story. While DeMar Hamlin is, is chief among it and his survival is chief among it, the other part is whatever guilt that T. Higgins feels. He shouldn't feel guilt. It's a football play that was made. But you could just see the look on his face as a human being was, what did I just do? And it's it's, it's yeah. the second part of this that's just tragic. Richard, the connection that not only DeMar Hamlin's mother was in the stands, T. Higgins' right. mother, right. we all know anyone who's walked this earth in your toughest moments, you know, your mom is your right. biggest rock. And um, just 
a miracle in that sense that both of those young men, most importantly, DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin had mom there. And yeah. I, I, I know we're all leaning on the power of prayer and the invisible that we can't see as humans on this planet. One would hope that all of this energy together is going to make the difference and is making the difference right now down the road. The, the medical facility from the stadium, please give us a sense here in Indianapolis of where exactly DeMar Hamlin is in, in the treatment he is receiving here. I, I know you're very familiar with that. Yeah, it's, it's a level one trauma center. It's the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. It's about probably two to two and a half miles from the stadium, but it's kind of a wonky side street drive, if you will. Um, so it's probably by ambulance, six or seven minute drive okay. to, to the to the facility. You know, that's the, the, the if there's any saving grace to this is obviously, you know, teams have have plans in place, emergency action plans in place. You had great medical personnel on the field that resuscitated him, you know, at least for the time being and hopefully for good. You have a level one trauma center that's very close by. Um, and that, that's where they took him, and it's a short drive, so they were, you know, got a chance to get him some immediate attention. If, if you recall, um, you know, a couple of years, three or four years ago, I guess the Ryan Shazier injury for the Steelers, um, where he suffered the neck injury, he was taken to that same facility, and, and um, you know, after he was released, he, he sent out uh, many thanks to that facility for what they did for him. So yeah. it, was a, it was a first-class, you know, level one trauma center that they sent him to close enough to the stadium so you know there, there are some silver linings to this um you know hopefully it, it ends up being the difference richard in a, in a situation like that for a lot of people that you know aren't, aren't in the world of of reporting aren't in the world of journalism aren't in the world of, of of newsrooms or just the life on the beat how do you navigate through not just uh, the misinformation that automatically comes with a, a, a split second instance like this but just navigating through the night with all of, like Charlie mentioned, the human emotion, the human element uh, of this story with DeMar Hamlin and his family? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was different because we didn't really get a chance to talk to players or coaches or really any personnel. Um, you know, both teams, public relations staff shut that down and fully understand that. I mean, you know, the emotions of that are so raw. But you could, like I said, you could see some of the that emotion in players, um, you know, in the T. Higginses of the world. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think for anybody, you report what you know firsthand, right? Not, right, not any, right. you know, hey, my best friend's a doctor whose friend's a doctor <laughs> whose friend once was a doctor who wanted to be a doctor, and he says, um, no. Now, there are some medical professionals that, have, that we have interviewed um, at our station, and they've surmised, but, um, again, those are at least medical professionals trying to offer a medical opinion. I will trust that opinion, but, yeah. Anything like that? There's a a local media personality I think that tweeted out last night that 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 uh, that he had heard that that Demar Hamlin had passed. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how you do that with all good faith and all good conscience. That, that that you know, if you don't hear that firsthand, I don't know how you put that out there. Um, it's one of those. It's a it's a person that we all roll our eyes at in the marketplace, but he put it out there, and you know, uh, you know, it, it, unless you get something firsthand, you just you can't even dive into that territory unless you're a clown. Richard uh, Skinner here, WKRC TV, Cincinnati, Charlie Cliver to Wish TV, Jimmy Cook here, 93.5, The Fan. Richard, in terms of spectators last night, this is the social media age. They were learning what we were learning, and it was powerful to see just the shots of the fans. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, 
did not receive camera time as all of this was transpiring. Wide shots of Paycor Stadium. Uh, once the players had cleared the field, all that was left were essentially Bengals supporters and those that had made the trip from Buffalo. The atmosphere and the feeling that you took getting, I assume, to walk out of the tunnel and take a look at the field, how do you describe the moments after Damar Hamlin was rushed off the field. Yeah, my daughter actually is a season ticket holder, her and her husband, and, and so she was, you know, texting me during during some of that just to, to let me know what she was feeling and seeing and all those things. And it was it was just so so quiet. That was the part that struck. He had a couple of, I think he had one altercation way across the way from where the press box was. Um, I don't know what transpired, but it, but yeah, security took a fan out. Who knows what they were saying with each other, but. Uh, you heard a couple of people yelling stupid things, but for the most part, the overwhelming part of 66,000 fans was just quiet, knowing the severity of the moment. And um, you know, once the two teams left the field, I think fully understanding that any time now they're going to to postpone this game. Um, and so it was probably 45 minutes, I think, somewhere along those lines. After De- Demar Hamlin and the ambulance left, um, they sent the teams to the locker room, and then the NFL officially. Um, opted to suspend the game. At that point, um, like I said, we were downstairs. By the time I came back up to the press box, um, most of the stadium was was emptying at that point and emptied. So I think fans fully understood it, um, knew the gravity of the moment, um, took it for the reverence that they needed to take it with and, and kind of moved on with their night. Richard, we've obviously seen statements from both the Hamlin family, both from the Bengals, both from the Bills. Obviously, you haven't with the Hamlin family, but have you had any opportunity at all to have any conversations with any reps from either of those teams in terms of just how everybody is is processing all this? Or are you just going off of, uh, in general, like us, just waiting as these statements come out? Yeah, just waiting. In fact, I was talking to another reporter about 45 minutes ago uh, about waiting to see when Mike Brown was going to issue a statement as we were on the phone. He, he issued that statement. So, um, yeah, I think that's where we're at with this. I mean, they've shut down. The, the, today is technically an off day in the NFL anyway. Um, some teams, I think Jacksonville, Kansas City, Tennessee, and, and uh, the Raiders, I think, are practicing today because they're playing on Saturday. But today right. is technically an off day across the NFL, and media media doesn't have access. And so I think we're in that, that same boat. Um, certainly tomorrow when they reopen the facility, um, you know, at that point, you need to know, is this game being replayed? Is this game never going to be played? Are they playing any games at all this weekend? Are they playing um, – are they prepared? Because, you know, and again, and we're, we're, everybody's thoughts are with DeMar Hamlin first and foremost, but this is also game planning day in the NFL for coaching staffs. Um, so are the Bengals and Bills game planning for opponents for this weekend? Are they re-game planning for each other? I think the NFL has to make a – a decision on this fairly quickly, um, and that's the other thing we're kind of waiting for: is what do they do with this game? If you know, and to declare it a no contest, move it around, um, you know, cancel games this weekend, move them back a week, move the playoffs back a week, and let the Bengals and Bills replay themselves, you know, this coming yeah. weekend or Monday or Tuesday. I think then some of it is you're also, if Demar Hamlin tragically passes, then then what does Buffalo do with the rest of their season? There, there's so much up in the air, but you know, the NFL has to make a decision on this fairly quickly, to be quite frank. Skinny, appreciate you surveying that because I know it's 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 just impossible to do, and it's a no-win situation. The only way this comes out as you know a, a winner is with the health of Demar Hamlin, and really everything else. I know we can all nod in agreement today, not only here in Indianapolis, but everyone in Cincinnati, everyone in Buffalo. Who cares? 
what they do with the game. And if you're going to allow yourself to be lose your emotions and lose control of your emotions, then you've learned nothing from what just happened last night right. and what everyone who wears a Bills logo, a Bengals logo, and quite frankly, anyone who wears a logo of an NFL team. The Colts were supposed to talk today. Their coordinators, Matt Conti and his award-winning team, public relations here in Indianapolis, said out of respect for this situation with Hamlin, we aren't talking today. There's nothing to say. There is no, there is nothing to add about anything that's going on in the NFL right now than the health of this 24-year-old young man who we we are all praying sees his 25th birthday here in March. Richard Skinner, WKRC. Skinny, we'll be thinking about you and everyone who did a fantastic job last night stepping up and making journalists proud across the country. Um Certainly hoping for a great update before we're off the air today. Have a great rest of your week and hang in there, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. It's Richard Skinner of WKRC in Cincinnati, Bengals beat reporter at Paycor Stadium. Indy, welcome back. Charlie Clifford to Wish TV, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. We continue to monitor any updates coming out of Cincinnati. Tamar Hamlin, Bill Safety in the most horrifying event we've seen on a national football stage, uh, certainly with the technology we have this day and age, DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, Intensive care unit last night, he remains there. That was the update just minutes ago from the Buffalo Bills. The NFL just sharing that... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Bills-Bengals game will not be played this week. There has been no decision about how it may be handled going forward. The league in Week 18... Uh, no, no impact to Week 18 scheduling. It's secondary. Really doesn't matter. We've shared a few stories of DeMar Hamlin, the person he is, the inspiration he has been in the Pittsburgh community, in the Buffalo community, and certainly for all those across the country who watched last night and who continue to come together in prayer uh, for this young 24-year-old with so much more still to give here. On Earth, Dan Horde, voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, joins us now. Dan, you're above Paycor Field last night uh, with a script that is a dream for any play-by-play announcer, a franchise that has come out of nowhere over the past two years, that has electrified a city that, quite honestly, was dormant in terms of NFL excitement for decades against what has also been one of the easiest stories to cheer for in Buffalo, another fan base that has been waiting for its moment. Uh, The anticipation for the game last night, what transpired in the first quarter, and then ultimately what you were looking and trying to sort out from your seat, please bring us to that moment when medical professionals rushed to save DeMar Hamlin's life in the first quarter. Well, Charlie, unfortunately, anybody that's watched a lot of football has seen gruesome injuries, and I've seen my share, but 
I never anticipated seeing a player receive CPR on the field. As soon as DeMar Hamlin went down, anybody that was close to him began waving frantically for medical personnel. My initial thought was maybe it was a gruesome bone break or something of that nature, or maybe he wasn't moving. And then from our vantage point, the players had surrounded him, so it was difficult to see. But you could see somebody from the medical team giving him chest compressions, and then you knew that this was a matter of life and death. And uh, unfortunately, it's hard to uh, put that image out of your mind. I think anybody that was at that stadium is going to remember the just the pall that was cast over the stadium as that was going on. It was an electric atmosphere at the beginning of the game, but that changed in a moment's notice. And now we're all just hoping to get positive news about DeMar Hamlin and hope that he continues to recover. You and your partner, Dave Lapham, who have continued to be great storytellers, to be the, the eyes and ears of what's been such a great story in Cincinnati over the past two years. You're looking at each other, trying to find the right words, Dan. How did you find some peace last night and find a path to ultimately share this story as countless people were driving around listening and probably pulling off the road to 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 listen what you were sharing with the city last night please give us some perspective on how you handled that we weren't getting a lot of information and i'm not sure there was a lot of information to share as the medical team fought to save damar hamlin so basically all we could do was Uh, watch what we were seeing in front of us and try to describe it as vividly as possible. I had binoculars. Um, I was, again, just focused on the scene and trying to be as descriptive as I could be, not only in how they were attending to DeMar, but how the players were reacting, how the coaches were reacting, how the fans were reacting. Uh, What I did not do is speculate. Sure, Uh, There was a lot of... Texts were coming into our booth. Right. Some were accurate. Many weren't. There's a lot of stuff on social media. People were holding up their phones in the booth, and I really more or less ignored that uh, until it came from a credible source. I didn't want to say it on the radio, and I think under those circumstances, that's pretty much all you can do. Dan, when you look back on that broadcast itself and how you guys navigated through everything, obviously, Damar is the story, but in terms of the the hours that followed, what will be the most ingrained moment of all that as you take away, obviously very still raw, uh, just 12 hours removed from it? I think the scene of the Buffalo players forming a semicircle around their fallen teammate and facing in the opposite direction. Hmm. I'll never get that image out of my mind. Hmm. So shaken that they couldn't even watch as the medical team was attending to their fallen brother. Uh, that was a, a moment that, uh, unfortunately, I will never be able to forget. Dan, um, as the broadcast continues, certainly we were glued to ESPN's coverage. H- how did things evolve on your end? You're, I'm sure, gazing into the stands trying to pick up illustrations to share. How did you as a radio network handle really as as the night continued, the game went from suspended to postponed 
The Bills ultimately leave the stadium. We saw Stefan Diggs head to the hospital along with the contingent from the organization. Bring us into your seat from that perspective the rest of the night. Well, in our booth, we have monitors to be able to watch the, the telecast of the game. Normally, you would use that to comment on replays. So every now and again, I would peek at the TV monitor, and it seemed like for most of that time period, they went back to Bristol. And unfortunately, uh, we were not able to you know, take advantage of, right. of cameras that were able to show us a, a better view. So as I described earlier, I was looking through binoculars and just trying to be factual and descriptive. Uh, my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, played in the NFL for 10 years. He's been broadcasting Bengals games for more than 30. So I thought he offered a great perspective on what it's like for a player under somewhat similar circumstances. Certainly he played in games where players went down with serious injuries. Right. Nothing quite like that. Uh, but he was able to share what goes through a player's mind when that happens. And then uh, the third member of our broadcast crew, Wayne Box Miller, who hosts pregame and postgame shows, was able to provide his perspective as well. So as I described, you're really just trying to, to stick to the facts, be as descriptive as you can possibly be, right. uh, be empathetic, be compassionate, understand that you, you don't really know exactly who might be listening. There could be family members uh, that, that came to the game that are traveling to the hospital. So uh, you certainly don't want to say anything that is incorrect, uh, that is too dire, that is too hopeful. You just try to uh, describe what you're seeing and pass along any credible information that you receive. The radio voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde, kind enough, kind enough to join us after what was an indescribable night. Uh, Dan, again, we appreciate your time. I'm sure you've been flooded with requests to share what you saw and, and what you're feeling. If you have a message to Zach Taylor and the organization that you work for and cover, um, I saw it multiple times last night, comments of, man, getting to that Super Bowl last year, everything Zach Taylor did, bringing the footballs to – local watering holes after the big wins. You know, he he has such a down-to-earth, good grip, I think, on life, which is, you know, not always the case when your job requires and the stress that 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 is put on NFL coaches. With Zach Taylor crossing the 50-yard line and very clearly making it known to Sean McDermott that he too had no interest in continuing the game last night. What would you tell your fan base and fans across the NFL about that man and your organization? We're lucky to have him. I think Zach Taylor's uh, level of compassion under those circumstances uh, was amazing. And the fact that he went to the hospital to check on DeMar Hamlin after the game, that to me, I get choked up just thinking about that. Um, He's a great man. Obviously, he's done a phenomenal job of coaching this team, and that's uh, that's important. But nothing compares to the actions that a person demonstrates under circumstances like that. And Zach Taylor showed his character uh, under the most difficult circumstances that uh, any of us could have imagined last night. Dan, just from the human interest element of it, and just because you were on the scene and a part of this event, if you don't mind me asking, what have the last 12, 14 hours yeah. been like for you? 
About what you would expect. Uh, wasn't much sleep last night. Got up really early, seeking more information, hoping mm-hmm. to get positive news about DeMar Hamlin. I think that's what all of us have been doing today, just, just waiting and hoping that we would get updates that indicated that he was uh, continuing to recover, that his condition was stabilizing. Um, and that's really all that uh, anybody here at the stadium is, is really talking about. There hasn't been much talk about the game. Uh, there hasn't been much talk about the implications of whether it gets played or doesn't. Really, everybody's talking about uh, the way to get more positive news from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals. Dan, I know your voice is tied forever to last season's magical run to the Super Bowl. And certainly now, Bengal fans, um, to have you in that moment under unprecedented circumstances, um, I, I I know they are all, you know, thanking the job you did last night and for all journalists there as, again, we wait for more what is hopefully great information and great updates on DeMar Hamlin, the 24-year-old safety for the Buffalo Bills who remains in critical care in Cincinnati in an intensive care unit. I can't thank you enough for your perspective, Dan, and we'll certainly be thinking about you as well as um, this season continues and and um, this story hopefully finds a miraculous ending. Appreciate you. Thanks, Charlie. My pleasure. It's Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook and Charlie Clifford coming to you from the DriveHubler.com studios. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. As we've reiterated throughout the show today, uh, in case you're just seeing this or in case you're you're here for updates on Buffalo safety, DeMar Hamlin, who again went to cardiac arrest during the Bills-Bengals game mid to late stages that first quarter last night and was rushed to University of Cincinnati Medical Center in their level one trauma center there. Uh, he's still in critical condition. Uh, the Bills gave us an update about a half hour ago addressing that and thanking everybody for their continued prayers and support as DeMar is in this Again, literal battle for his life right now. And of course, our prayers and our thoughts are with him and his family and all those involved uh, as he navigates this and and we hope for a happy ending. We have talked about it from a number of different perspectives. And of course, we're, we're going to have meat and potatoes of, of the Colts and where things go from here. But just because our next guest is such a knowledge bank around the NFL, uh, one of the longest tenured individuals on a single beat covering the NFL and, and obviously the the dean of the Colts for a reason in Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4. Chap, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Happy New Year to you. And I know that, again, this wasn't your beat, but you were, of course, tweeting about it a little bit last night. Um, just walk us through your consumption of all of this. And, and if you've ever seen, I'm, I'm sure you haven't. And if you haven't, I know I haven't seen anything uh, like what happened last night. Not to this level. Uh, one thing I'll say on the top is we sort of take the players for granted that, you know, 
hey, they get hurt, but they'll get better and all this. And I've been on the sidelines for a lot of games at the end when we're getting ready for the game to be over. And, and when you're down there, I've always wondered how somebody doesn't get hurt on every play. Yeah. Because you're talking about, you know, these these supreme athletes in the prime of their careers and just it, it it's not a it's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. And, and these guys they 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 know the risk, they do. But younger players, boy, I'm telling and I don't mean this in a in a bad way, but these young kids feeling vulnerable. Yep. They do. They just do. I I remember talking to a player, gosh, we did a CTE thing with that led off with Jeff Farad back with concussions and all this when I was still at the star. And I talked to a player and I said, don't you worry about these things, concussions and, and when you're 50 years old. And he said, I'm telling you, if, if I can give my family financial security, I'd spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair. And I mm-hmm. said, you're not serious. He said, yes, I am. So the, 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 what, what it starts with is these guys are wired differently. They just are. And they understand they're getting paid very, very well, and they are risking injury. And I really don't think they, they think further than that. Maybe I'm wrong. But, okay, yeah, maybe an ACL, maybe an Achilles, maybe sure. a concussion. Not this. And there, there have been – a few instances where players uh, have been at risk, an ambulance, it's, but it's been a while, or an ambulance just came out. We've seen that on a few occasions, but generally, almost always, you see the thumbs up sign from the player, right? You know, and so you're so you're saying, okay, fine, it was awful, but you know, we got the thumbs up. And what my, what flashed to my mind was Austin Colley twice. Had the concussion where yeah, Philadelphia his bo- remember his body froze and yeah. you get the what's it called fencing yeah and it happened there and it also happened in Indy uh, with Collie against Jacksonville so you understand the risk and all this and like I say when when you've done it this long you you've you've had instances where you see these guys up close and it, it just gives you an admiration and so. When I hear people say, "Well, you know, they're overpaid," you know, they, you know, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. You could argue that they need to have guaranteed contracts so that that the risk is really compensated. But last night you're watching that, and and you're just you're just sort of not in shock. I mean, because I'm not going to overstate it. We're watching this, and but boy, you you just pause and you're thinking, you know, g- give us something, and, and what. From from the TV, what you what you saw, and this is what I've always taken from it, is you you, you read the players, and when you saw the reaction of players, of teammates, and the Bengals and the, and the coaches, that's when you knew it was serious because they were right there. These players saw yeah. CPR being administered. They saw oxygen being given. So they they saw it and they knew. It's it's no one knows better than players how to read the situation and, and they knew this was not normal. This wasn't just, he got his bell rung here, but no, they, they knew. And, you know, it, it was, I, I will commend ESPN. I thought all those guys handled it well. They, they handled it a long time on the air. Right. 
without knowing much. And, you know, Booker McFarlane and, and Ryan Clark, and this morning I saw Dominic Foxworth, those guys have played, they've done before, and they gave really, really good perspective. So all you can do is thoughts and prayers to, uh, to the player. And I, I, I direct message Naheem Hines, mm-hmm. who, who I think is a great guy about, you know, praying for, for Demar and you and, and the players, because this yes, this directly affects Demar and his family. But but players are families; they, they just are. Go, go in a Colts locker room and <laughs> right. in there when you're in there so much for so long, <laughs> there there is a connection. So uh, you, you just hope for the best. And the, I saw a doctor uh, on the air today, and they said you know the next couple of days will be important about how he responds. So all you can do is keep your fingers crossed and pray for the kid. Chap, Damar Hamlin, Hamlin, as we continue to learn more about this young 24-year-old man, surely all of us have a greater perspective now of time is not infinite here. Damar Hamlin is a person who prioritized making an impact, specifically in his hometown of Pittsburgh. He didn't have a fairy tale upbringing, and he chose to stay at Pittsburgh for college, could have gone anywhere. He was the top defensive player in the nation. Wanted to have a leadership role, a role model role with his younger sibling and also those coming up in his community. If you can give perspective to NFL players who now DeMar Hamlin carries that flag for them of they have made it a priority to do just as much off the field as they will do on. I know you've seen it countless times here in Indianapolis, the time, the love, the energy it takes to make those decisions and to make that a priority. I think this instance is a reminder of people like DeMar Hamlin who have made their life choices with that being a priority. If you can expunge on that a bit. Yeah, it's sort of the pay it forward. And and I don't care what you do, what line of work you're in, just pay it forward. And it sounds corny cliche, but you know, do something for somebody and they do something for somebody and, and then everybody's better off. And that's what these players do. The vast, vast... It doesn't get talked about enough, chap. It doesn't. Right, well, well I mean, we do when it's time for the Mike... What is it, Mike Leach, my cause? Yep, yep, yep. And, and then, you know, yep. everybody's got their, their thing. And, would, and the Colts have done it. And, and the Ursus did a real good thing with their with their kicking the stigma. Uh, but but these players, like I said, the vast majority, if not all of them, have something. They have something that they support. You know, Shaq Leonard has his, and Ryan Kelly has his, yeah. and, and that's what I remember talking to Frank Reich after he, he was let go, and he said that it was very important important to him to, to have the platform. Remember his, his, his not was it not here? Not no, yeah, not today. Sorry. Yep, not today, and. And he knows, he understands that having that platform gives you the power to do stuff to influence people and go through that Colts locker room. And, and these guys have that. And I think I saw that uh, the GoFundMe for, for his charity has like gone from, you know, what, 2000 to $4 million, whatever, whatever right, it's gone right. to. And it's one of those that if everybody just gives – you know, 25 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, w- whether it's to him, which would be great, or, or any of these guys. and Because the money goes to their to their foundation, not to them. But they make, by and large, good money. So, But, but it, it's really 
cool to see that these players, whether whether going back, whether it was Edron or Reggie or or Peyton yep. or Tarek or, or any of these guys, Freeney, Mathis, they've all got something that they do, have done. Some are still doing it. And it, it's just cool to see that. And, and this sort of, it just it, it's, it's a side thing of what, it, 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 like I said, it shines a spotlight on what these guys do away from the field. It's unfortunate that, that it took this to maybe really shine the light on him. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, these guys, you know, it, it's, we enjoy watching them play. We enjoy Remember back when ESPN used to have the big hits? Yes. Up and, yes. And, 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 which <laughs> was, was kind of cool to see. And, yeah. But the, these guys are putting their lives it's, on the line or their bodies on the line. So the NFL, what, what this shows you is the NFL has done so much to to make the game safer. But there's only so much you can do because yep. this is still such a violent sport and you've got the the top one half of one percent of the world pl- who, who can do this and bad things can happen yeah. really bad things can happen and you just th- there have been times that i still got a video on my phone of andrew luck's rookie season when he got lit up against Green Bay. I mean, face-to-face, and I'm thinking, hey, we're done with our luck era. And he he pops up and plays. It's amazing. Like I say, sometimes I'm just amazed that these players get up and can continue. But, again, last night was a a totally different level. And, again, you read the player. Read the players, and they'll tell you how dire the situation is. Mike Chapel on the Mower Shop from Fisher's Hotline here on the fan. Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook with you today. Chap, to close this portion of the conversation, I wanted you to have a chance to speak on this. Obviously, we are all in agreement. Prayers, all energy going to DeMar Hamlin and his family who stand by his side in Cincinnati. Again, if you're just joining us, the Bills safety Injured critically last night, remains in intensive care, in critical condition in Cincinnati. That is the latest update we got within the last half hour from the Buffalo Bills. In a very classy move today, quietly, Matt Conti and his award-winning PR team here in Indianapolis decided to pass on what was a previously scheduled availability a thought from you on that decision and the organization that no one's been closer to than you. Yeah, it just would have been really hard and awkward and meaningless to talk. We get coordinators today, every Tuesday. And, and how do you say, well, what happened against whatever and what are you going to do against it? It just wouldn't have been right. And 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 I we would have had to ask about the situation and it just wouldn't have been right to put these guys on the spot to get their perspective. So it was the right decision. Kudos. Matt Conti, almost always, I, I, I use almost because I, I'm, I'm, I'm feared to, to use always, <laughs> almost almost always does the right thing. He's got everyone's best interest at heart. There is probably no better PR guy in the league than, than he and his staff. Right. It is the right thing. And I'll tell you, I'm on the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee <laughs> in, in the selection or the announcement of of the final 15 guys hmm. was due out tonight. Wow. And and we, I say we, the Hall of Fame has postponed that to at least 
tomorrow, maybe longer. I don't know. Good. But it's just, you know, life goes on, and the NFL has to go on. At some point, they've got to decide what they're doing with the game. They have to. But but there comes a time when there will be that time for that. Right now, it's not appropriate to talk about other things until almost until you know that the kid's okay. And I'm not Correct. sure how soon we're going to know that. You know, at some point, the, the Colts are going to play Houston and, and mm-hmm. Buffalo needs to play their final game. That's going to be tough. And how how they decide the Cincinnati game, is it going to be a tie? I, I don't know. But, you know, at, at, at some level they had at some level they were talking about that last night. Let, let's be clear, the NFL, right. as tragic as that was, some form that they've got some area that was saying, okay, now what do we do? Because that's their job. But right now, it's not the it's it's not the right time to to be talking about anything else, really. I mean, really. So maybe tomorrow we'll we'll get in the locker room tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll all ask players about it and reaction. Jeff Savio will talk about it. But right now, today is the right time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Chap, while we have you, obviously, and again, in case those of you that are with us and have been along for this interview, you know, podcast will continue to be up and we'll continue to have coverage on DeMar Hamlin as we get it here on the fan and, and as we see it in general for those on scene at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center last we heard as Charlie iterated there he remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center uh, Bill's released that statement they're grateful for the outpouring of support and of course we continue our, our prayers with his family as they navigate through this time and as he battles for his life uh, Chappie while we have you though I, I do want to turn the direction towards the Colts just for a second and because you sure. always are on top of of I know you don't navigate in the rumor mill waters, but you don't navigate there as much because you've been around so long and you you know what the business is. So I I'm the foolish kid here, chap. I'm I'm digging. I'm I'm putting my hands into the rumor mill. Uh, what have been your thoughts on all the Jim Harbaugh chatter the last uh, 24 hours? I I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously, is he interested? I've not seen anything from him. Right. You know, I, I thought last year. When he didn't get, was it Minnesota? I think he went yep. and interviewed with. Yeah, correct. He, I think he, I think he thought he was going to get it and didn't. Yep. And I thought I saw where he said, "This is, I'm, I'm, this isn't going to be an every year thing." You know, right. it's well, here we are again. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I believe the team has at least talked to him in the past, not not now, right? Uh, and at least tested his desire. To, to, to be the coach, and obviously it didn't go anywhere because he's not been the coach. Uh, I think he would be a good a good possibility, a, a good candidate. You know, he, he he's a proven winner at, at both levels. Uh, I, I I wonder how serious Jeff Saturday's candidacy is. I know he wants the job, right? And I know Jim Irsay believes he can be. A good head coach, a very good head coach, given if he can come in and start, you know, ground zero and not the last eight games where you could have put George Hallis out there and nothing would have happened. <laughs> this, this, this franchise is broken at, at several levels. I don't know. We should have some ideas next week, at least 
where they're going. You know, officially they will be without a coach as of, you know, whatever it is, Sunday night or Monday morning because just right. an interim. So, that you know, and knowing how things can be, I would assume there could be contact with Jim or, or, or anybody. You know, you can, you can kind of put out floaters and feelers and, hey, what if, and this, that, and the other. So I, I don't put anything past how this works. But they do keep in mind, they do have to adhere to the Rooney rule and, and talk to minority candidates. Right. So e- e- even if Jim Mersey knows who he wants, you know, let, Leslie Frazier, his name's going to get thrown in. Uh, and, and, you know, and he's been here before. So it'll be interesting. I, I hope this is something – I, I hope when the season's over, shortly thereafter, that Jim Mersey says, yes, I said Chris Ballard will be here, and damn it, he's going to be here. Mm-hmm. And then that they get the coaching thing going, and, you know, if they want somebody still playing in the playoffs, you know, that creates a little bit of an issue where you get permission and there's that window, which I'm not, I can't remember what the window is, when you can talk to guys the bye week, whatever, I don't know. I hope this does, and I don't think this thing is going to drag out for a month. I, I don't. But what, what I've said, like on Fox 59 with those guys, is I'm, I'm past the point of caring about, you know, last week's game or this <laughs> week's game. Because you, they have to get to the point to where they can start rebuilding what's broken. And that really can't happen until – this thing's over. Chap, that brings us to an interesting crossroad from a PR standpoint. Do you expect, regardless of who the head coach is, regardless if it's a rookie quarterback tabbed as potentially the week one starter or a different veteran quarterback forecasted as the short-term solution in 2023, does Jim Ursay and his rhetoric of the expectation of contending at all costs with no secondary thought of the fact that this is going to take time. Is it time for Mr. Ursay to redirect his public viewpoint to we tried, as he called it in his ESPN interview on Monday Night Football, an odyssey with veteran quarterbacks that appeared to be a shortcut to short-term success? Is it time for Mr. Ursay to change the tone to the fact that Chris Ballard is staying and this is becoming a process again where short-term success and expectations need to be tempered significantly? Well, whether he says it or not, that's the, what you laid out is the, rea- the reality. It just is. And I think it's going to be fine to say, listen, we're still committed to excellence. We're still committed to get a Lombardi trophy, but it might take us a year or two because, again, wherever this season ends up, and it's it's been hard to watch and difficult to deal with on a lot of levels, if you go – not if. When you go with a rookie quarterback, wh- whoever that is, however how you get in the draft or whatever you do, you're going to have to have a veteran guy not named Matt Ryan and not named Nick Foles. Yeah. I just don't think they're back next year. To, to get you six games, eight games, unless the rookie comes in and is just ready. And that just doesn't happen very often. It just doesn't. So I just think, and, and, and as you sit here now, you don't know who that guy's going to be. You, you don't know which one of those top 
three quarterbacks or whatever you're going to get. So it's just it's going to be you're hoping not losing four games by 20 points and just getting rolled a couple times. But you you just have to have to realize that this is going to be next year might be like this record wise. Now you know, maybe not. Maybe you make enough moves and you get a quarterback, a veteran that that is better than what you've had, and at least you're respectable. But yeah, you, I agree. The message has to be: Hey, listen, we're still driving for, for excellence. We still want another trophy. But but it might take us a couple years. And, but but as long as you have a quarterback, a young quarterback, Correct. where people say, you know, I can see this guy being the guy. As long as you have that, I think the fan base will be fine with it. They'll have pay Critical. for a year. Now, Critical. the second year, you're going to need to see something. But, but yeah, <laughs> I, I do think it'll be important to sort of temper, the, you know, hey, long term, this is what we want, but short term, this is what we might have. Chap, about a decade or so ago, uh, you saw at least over to our, our neighbors a couple states over in Kansas City. They were at the bottom of their state as a franchise. I don't know if the Colts are, are quite that bad, but on offense, you could argue they are. Uh, they change regimes and bring in Andy Reid, who the Eagles had parted ways with. Obviously, we have no idea where the coaching market in terms of other firings that may or may not happen is going to unfold. But is that the Brady Quinn Chiefs team? Uh, it was in, rock, that, rock. In, that, in that same stretch. Yes, very much so. Forget about and, that and, one. And so you bring in a face that is basically reestablishes your identity as a franchise. Obviously, we don't know if the Colts go this way, but it's a long way of asking how exhaustive is this process going to be and, and, and how important is it at this critical juncture of the Colts as a franchise to make sure it is a foundational leader and a foundational piece uh, over at West 56th? Well, it's major. I mean, it is... I would contend it's more important to have the quarterback right. Sure. Sort of got because I think we Agreed. we saw during we saw during the luck era that and even Manning to a degree that the quarterback covers up so many <laughs> so many mm-hmm. deficiencies. Now and I but I don't want to diminish the importance of, of the of the coach. Right. But the the coach is the face of your franchise. And, and the way it is he's the spokesman of your franchise because I remember during the Napoleon days now, they took it to the extremes, but it was one voice. Right. They want the one voice. And a lot of times that is your head coach. And that's why it's going to be interesting if he goes to just Saturday, which people people should not rule that out. I mean, let's be clear. Don't rule out that just back. Yep. Just yep. because of the Jim Mercedes yep. belief in him. But I'm not sure. It would be hard to sell the fan base if that's important to Jim Mercedes. He's my coach because what? I mean, what? And again, I've said all along that... I was going to say, Chap, if you're Jeff Saturday walking into that meeting at the end of the year and Jim Irsay is saying, all right, give me your sales pitch, what do you even lead with? What do you lead with? But but but, but Jim Irsay knows... That's why I say these these eight games, what could he have done? You know, I don't know what... Now, now the way some of these games have ended... Right at the end of the season. Now that that's tough. That that that's on your resume. It's on all the players' resumes. It's it's on his as the interim coach. But it, it it's that's the message you're going to have is this is our guy. Yes, the quarterback's going to come in, but this is the guy that's going to do it. And you bet. Yeah, you better be right. You just better be right because if you miss on the coach, you miss on the quarterback. You're setting yourselves back again. 
two or three years, and you don't want to, you know, assuming Chris is back, he better have a role in the new head coach because he's got to get along with the head coach. <laughs> I, I, would, I would certainly <laughs> hope so. They <laughs> just have to because there's so much that goes into it. You spend so much time building your team, and if you guys don't, believe in each other or don't trust each other or whatever. Chap, you're just one regime removed from that very scenario, correct? I mean, that was... Right. I I think it worked okay early, Yeah, and then it didn't. And whether that was personalities, whatever, I don't know. But yeah, at the end. And at the end, Bill Polian and Jim Mora didn't get along. I mean, they didn't even talk to each other at the end of that. So it's you've got to get along and... There's so much that goes into that personalities and philosophies and all that. So, we, it's funny we've talked to how the last three or four, two or three off seasons of this is the most important off season in the last. Well, this now this one is because because you didn't handle the last couple the right way. So it's really going to be interesting how they do it. Again, like I said. Let's take the owner of this word. He went on ESPN and said Chris Ballard's coming back. I'm okay. with you, I, I chap. I I don't necessarily agree with your, you know, Jeff Saturday. I I feel like the case is closed there. I, you're I right, do, chap. <laughs> We're a split house there, but I, I am with you. I do not see a scenario where Jim Irsay, if he said that two weeks ago and they lose two lousy games that have no no meaning the last two years, he ain't, he isn't going to change his stance on Chris Bauer. I think Colts fans that, should know that. That, that would have happened anyway. Yeah. Whatever you want to blame Chris for, the last few, I guess you'd say that he didn't have enough quality depth. I don't know. But but this has all been quarterback driven. This offense is so bad that, and, and yes, some of that's on him. A lot of that's on him. But that's been the case all year. So if, if that bothered you, bothered you to the firing level, you would have done it <laughs> yeah, before yeah. now because – what you're going to see last week and, and this week is going to change your mind. Well, how? As far, as far as Chris Ballard and the roster, this is this is what you've had all year. And I tell you, up until the last game, I would have taken this defense and brought it back and felt really good about next year. I think the defense is just wearing out. They're, they're, you know, the, the yeah. injuries are, are really depleting them. Offensively, this has been by and large a healthy offense. I, I'm with you. We, have been healthy. That's been the most head scratching thing. Chap, final thought here. We got a minute here before we got to jump to a commercial break. In terms of unwatchable Colts offenses, where does this one rank? Where is it? I believe it was. I believe in 1991 they were one in 15 and they scored 140, 40 some points. So, so that, they got to go that's less than 10 a game. So they got that one trumped. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. So, but but this is this is different because. Because it's 2022, and and, and you're still playing like it's 91. Oh, it's, with your play it's design, to watch, and it's been very impossible to win because the offense can't score. Chap, always appreciate, appreciate you, you making time for us. Happy New Year again to yeah. you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, sir. buddy. Thanks, you guys. Be well. Thank you. That's the Dean, Mike Chappell, Fox 59 and CBS 4, brought to you by the Motor Shop and Fishers Hotline, the Motor Shop and Fishers for all your residential commercial mowers, as well as snowblowers, power tools, equipment, services, so much more. They have you covered at the Motor Shop and Fishers and themotorshop.com.